ratings of the Lord and in the new year. It is so pleasant to be amongst you and serve amongst you this morning. I do acknowledge that indeed this is service and it is service unto the Lord. Because I'm not of your land, but I know some of your land, some people from your land have stepped into our country. And somehow even the work that I'm doing for the Lord in our country, I am aware I'm riding on the foundation that even a brother and a sister from this congregation did. I was grateful to have opportunity to shake hands with Lindy, Wilma's wife, and have had the privilege to enjoy the hospitality of John and Barbara Glick while I'm on my stay around here. For the Wilmers, I never knew them. I came in after they had left. For John and Barbara, I knew them. We served together, and we were just remembering a bridge that we had to cross at one time when we worked together. If you want to hear about the bridge and the work we did together, John Glick and his wife can tell you a little bit about that story. While I'm here, it would have been so, such a sweet thing to be together with my family, more so my dear wife, Susan, in this congregation. That, as of now, wasn't possible. But I am aware her heart is with me, and my heart is with her. We have three children. That is Tracy. She's aged 23. And God's girl, she's aged 11 years. And a boy, Goldman, who is eight years. Between Tracy, 23, and God's girl, 11, there was a long period of waiting. But in that waiting, we confessed together with David, we waited. Because it was a time of affliction. We lost one boy who was a premature birth. He was followed by two sets of twins, a boy and a girl, and again a boy and a girl, who are miscarriages. And we also had a girl that was a premature birth. So that's a total of six that are with the Lord waiting for us. And in that duration, 
we felt afflicted. That affliction did not drive us away from the Lord. And I wouldn't say we came to the Lord because of that affliction. It found us in the Lord. And it drove us into a deeper relationship with the Lord. It even drove, drove us into a deeper service and time in the ministry for the Lord. We count it joyful because out of that affliction, we've been able to help others that are going through that valley. And we've moved with them to the top of the mountain where they can see and enjoy the beams of light of the day. And talking of the beams of light of the day, I am serving among you at a time that I'm feeling another affliction. I am from such a warm climate that being here and more so having been here in the last weekend, that was so sorrowful. If there has been a time of agony, I think that was one of the times that I dreaded. We were sharing about persecution this morning in the class where I was. And I would almost confess that was persecution <laughs> for me. I am used to the lowest of 60 degrees Fahrenheit and a high of about 88. So you can imagine I was in a place where it was negative five. That to me is like being deep inside a freezer. And unfortunately, while deep inside the freezer, somebody happened to have switched on the fan. <laughs> the fan was blowing so greatly inside that freezer. But here I am alive to bring to you greetings from my family and to bring to you greetings from my church. Last weekend, marked the celebrations of the Lord in his birth. And this weekend marks the celebration of the new year. I thought about that. And behold, I am glad of the connection that I want to share with you. I realize the birth of the Lord marked a new beginning. In his having been born, we walked into a new season. So even in these times as we celebrate and think about the new year, I am thinking of that birth and the new beginning that it brought. As we think of this new year, I'm thinking of the newness that came forth out of the birth of the Lord. And so I'm talking to us 
about celebrating and celebrating the times in which we are, knowing that these celebrations should mark what I found it marked. These celebrations should mark a call to obedience and nothing else. How do we celebrate the birth of the Lord? How do we celebrate the new year? That has been designed to follow the celebration of the birth of the Lord. How do we celebrate these things? Do we see these celebrations as a call to obedience? Do we celebrate it as a reminder of our call to obedience? Or we mark it, not minding our disobedience? The birth of the Lord that precedes in these times in which we are, the marking of the new year, I find it richly weaved with a call to obedience that I may share with us this morning. When we look at the book of Luke, and the book of Luke, chapter 1, Verse 38, it was way before his birth, but it is around his birth. Then the angel had come forth with a message to Mary. The angel had already spoken to Mary. And in conclusion, we're finding what Mary had to say. In verse 38 of the book of Luke chapter 1, then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. In all their discussion, in all the time that they had together, when Mary said this, I'm finding the word that follows next, and the angel departed from her. While we in these seasons, while we in these times, let us pick that out as a response of obedience. In the time that we're talking about, in the time in which Mary gave that response, her acceptance to bear the baby in her home might have also spelled her death in those times. But if not death, it already meant rejection by his sweetheart. She had a lover, and it was not that man that was responsible for the pregnancy for which she was hearing a declaration of. And she responded, let it be unto me. In other words, I agree to be rejected. I accept. Let it happen to me. If I die, let me die 
that I fulfill the course of the Lord. She responded in obedience. She was willing to face it all. It would have also meant a time of shame. It would have meant a time of ridicule. She was going to be despised by the words of men. But she embraced it. As we go through the seasons, let's think about that response to a call to obey. And indeed, she obeyed. An angel we find in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, an angel equally appeared to another person, another individual that was living way back then. Chapter 1 of the book of Matthew, verse 18 to 25. I think of these things because as I've gone around your land, in this time, I'm finding lots of lights. I'm finding lots of impressions that are in the compounds of people. I'm finding kind of people are marking the season with these impressions in their compounds. And I was like, what does it mean? Do these people really know? The book of Matthew, if you are there, chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his, Mary, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Mark particularly that portion. And then 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Verse 24, mark it again. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Again, we are seeing an unexpected response. This man knows the lady is pregnant. And initially, we are seeing his response. His desire is to walk away, but walk away in a way that does not put her to shame. However, an angel of the Lord appears to him. And when the angel of the Lord gives to him the word of the Lord, what does he do? We find he obeys. As we mark the times in which we are, the time that was bringing us into the new season, 
the time that was giving us a new beginning, let us mark the actions of these people. He accepted. He accepted also equally knowing it was not going to be a joyride for him. It was not going to be so easy for him. But instead, he chooses to obey. When we closely observe the times of his birth, we are finding obedience is closely packed with beautiful images of humility. Humility is a great component, a great ingredient that is necessary for obedience to follow. We will obey when we are willing to be by the place of humility. If we are willing to dwell in humility, we will find it easy to obey. Because when again we go back to the book of Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 18, there is the beautiful impression that we are getting out of that. He had already been born. I'm not sure how long thereafter they got this message. But herein we are finding the shepherds were busy at work that night. I'm not sure if it was a question of minutes. I'm not sure if it was a question of hours. When they saw that which followed. From verse 8 of chapter 2, the book of Luke, to verse 18, we are given the impression of the shepherds in the field. They are taking care of their flock in the night. An angel appears to them. An angel makes a declaration, a, declaration, a declaration to them. And in verse 15, after the angel had appeared, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts that was praising the Lord. Verse 15, now we find, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. It is a time after we've gone through the celebrations marking the birth of the Lord. So it is like the shepherds. It is after the Lord has been born. We are seeing them being called to a place of obedience. What do they do? They obeyed. We know we marked that celebration over the last weekend. What do we do? Are we walking in the examples that we are following? Are we walking in obedience? Are we going forth to obey? Because it is like they've heard this news. And remember somewhere, the angel said to them, you will find the baby. It was a silent command. They were not told, go. We find the picture of, should you go there, you will find a baby. 
And how will the baby be? They choose to, okay, do we go? We are having this sheep here. We are having this flock here. Just like me, probably just like you. I have my warmth in Kenya. I knew I was coming into the U.S. in winter. Probably you have your business. You have whatever it is that makes you get paid. But the Lord sometimes might be calling you to another level of obedience. He might be beckoning on you. And he doesn't come and give a strong command. He might be coming from the side of, you will find a baby. You will find that baby. You will see. What do you choose to do? The shepherds made the choice. We will obey. We want to go and witness. And I just ask myself, what if this message had come to the Pharisees? How would it have been? I'm questioning. Probably there would have been, what do you mean? Bethlehem? Oh, no, that is the least of the places that we know. What do you mean? A manger? Me? And my clothings of service to the Lord? To a manger? Not me. I'm just imagining this humility that there was in the shepherds. The Lord had already seen who is my best option to give the symbols of humility. Shepherds that as they come to the stable, I want to think they are willing to go down. There might not have been such a good entrance. There might have been some animals that are blocking the entrance. But the shepherds would be willing to still stoop, go down low, and get into the manger that they may see that which the Lord had impressed upon them. They obeyed. Am I willing to leave behind my arrogance? Am I willing to forsake the seed of pride? Am I willing to forsake the business of my business? Because what if they decided to say, hey, look, who shall we live with the sheep? We are having business to take care of. Who shall we live with this sheep? In order that we may go and see. I am of the suspicion they carried their business along to the place where they received the silent command to go. Are we willing to be of the like mind? Are we willing to, in humility, make steps and go to the place that the Lord is showing us? He showed it to them. They went. He shows us to, do we go? The birth of the Lord, the new beginning, 
the times in which we are celebrating marks a call to obedience. In the shepherds I see are people that are ready to move, are people that are not loaded with their worldly cares. These are people that are not looking unto the deceitfulness of riches. We are told in the book of Matthew chapter 13 and particularly when you think of verse 22. Now when it begins there is a sower went out to sow. We find the places where the seed fell. And then we find the Lord explaining the parable. And he says, those ones that fell amongst the thorns, they symbolize those who hear the word. And particularly, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, hinders them from letting the word grow. It blocks them from the obedience that the Lord desires. What is this thing that I pursue in the name of riches? What is this thing that consumes me in the name of my business? Is it blocking me in the new year from serving the Lord? Do I care to leave it behind? And go in the newness of his birth. And move forth in the newness of his call to obedience. May I be willing to obey as I step my feet into the new year. May I be willing to go forth and worship the Lord. Because the shepherds, when they came to that place, they came to worship. Is it true that sometimes our main business may hinder us from the main business? I know it's confusing. Is it possible that we are failing to keep the main thing the main thing? Let us as the people of God be willing to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to serve him. The main thing is to worship him. The main thing is to obey him. He is honored when we keep the main thing the main thing. Oh, you know, I have an auction tomorrow to attend to. In that auction, I'm already aware there is a yacht that has been positioned. I want to buy it. I will miss this thing if I obey this other thing. Oh, you know, tomorrow there is that beautiful trailer that I want to buy. It's going, it's going to be coming up for the auction. I want to be there. But the Lord may be speaking. A different thing. Do I look at whatever I say is as the main thing? Brothers and sisters, 
in the village of humility, there indwells obedience. If we are living in the village of humility, we will be willing to obey. Let's stay in the place of humility. For in Luke chapter 2 verse 1 up to 4, it is amazing that Joseph even obeyed the government's call to census. He obeyed that. If he didn't obey that, he wouldn't have been in Bethlehem. So in that I find that it is all right for me to obey the sinless commands of our government. I said sinless commands of our government. You will find plenty of sinless commands from our government. How easy do I find it in our country to keep to the speed limit? Trust me, in our roads, I will confess this to you. I am a fast driver. That I know. And there can be a temptation for me not to obey the speed limit. But I always want to be, after I'm done with the speed limit, there is a next level of the open space for me to make it be possible. I'm not sure how many miles that would be. But the speed limit that I'm having for the vehicle that we use, I suppose it might be something like 65 kilometers per hour. 110 kilometers per hour. I am like, I need to keep to that. But I may overtake other people. And because of the business of the day, I may not want to obey that simple, seamless command from the government. And the government sometimes is used by the enemy to make me walk in the path of disobedience. And so because I know it won't bother the police, if I'm a little higher, just a little higher than the speed limit, the caution I have, oftentimes I know this is not the place where they're doing the radar. The camera is not here. But I find that I'm also with other cameras. I drive around with my family. I have children. Some like their cameras are more stronger than the camera of the government. When I come to the speed limit, I'd want to teach them to obey because they are watching. And if that disobeys, thinking that there is no speed camera here, a little dangerous, I am planting silently the seed of disobedience in these little lads. And so I want to exercise caution because there is a way that the enemy might be wiring me. The government stands for authority. When what they command is sinless, I will choose to obey. Because I'd want to be cautious so that I may not be found of contempt to genuine laws. 
if I am of content to the genuine laws, that one sets, it sets me up to be of contempt for the law of the Lord. It might be setting up my children for contempt of the law of God. How might I be celebrating these times? When that child was born and it marked the beginning of his rule on another level, when probably, again, I am walking on the side of contempt of the law of the Lord because of the urging of the law of the government. Think about the babies that are being killed. The government I find here really is keen when the school bus is on the red. Do not dare to pass a good law, a sinless law. Do I obey that? But again, the government of the Lord has the law, the babies in the womb, the babies in another bus. I need not to dare take away that life. I know the government of the land could be allowing me to take away that life. But do I honor, do I obey his law? On which side am I? I need to make the right choice. To make the decision that I will obey authority is very important. Because if I'm celebrating the times in which we are, I'm celebrating the authority of the author of the seasons. It is God who determined the seasons. It is not man. It is not our government. I will obey authority. And if I'm obeying authority, do I recognize the authority behind or behind the times in which we are? If I'm not obeying authority, I may be walking in the corridors of hypocrisy. Is that what I want? The goal of Christmas was Jesus, victorious, cruel death on the cross. The goal of the new beginning was letting him come to die. He obeyed in humility, as we are told in the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. He obeyed humbly to death, even despising death on the cross. There was humility in him. His birth, that new beginning, marked the reality of his death. And above all, it also marked the reality of his resurrection. But look at those who accept his birth and ignore his death. Look at those who accept his death and ignore his resurrection. It's amazing how it might be. His birth is the start of the reality of his return. 
And so, his birth beckons on us that we may begin to prepare for his return. If we are starting the new year, that we know in the design of these times follows the mark of his birth, then we should be starting a journey towards his return. He is coming again. Nothing will deter him. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 up to 11, he is there with his disciples. Then he ascends. The angels come down. The angels do say, this Jesus that you saw ascend on high, he will come again. So as we get into the new year, let us know there is the authority that is behind the seasons. He had already said his son will come again. His son told us so. The angels, after he left, again told us so. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, his apostles equally impressed that on us. He is coming again. How are we prepared for his return? That should consume us as we walk through these times. We should be willing to walk in obedience knowing that our master shall be back. Being obedient is not difficult, but the decision that I will be obedient is difficult because the world doesn't want us to be obedient, particularly to the Lord. Particularly when you come to think of the way the world impresses it on us, I ought to be independent-minded. Who are you to come stepping into the boundaries of my life? If I'm waiting for his return, I will be willing to be accountable to his body. I will be willing to let his light shine on me when I'm questioned by the brethren. I should be willing to let my life be exposed to the questions that the body of Christ has about me, that I may just be the hand of the body of Christ. If this other hand is seeing that there is some speck on, there is some dirt on this hand, is it not okay for this hand to move? And am I willing to be obedient? to the accountability of the body of Christ. I ought to. It is what I'm called to. But am I willing to obey? Am I willing to take advantage of the numbers of the brothers on my side? Of the number of the sisters on my side? And be accountable to them? I should be willing to do so. Because... I'm under the command. James chapter 5 and verse 16. Confess your sins one to another. But am I willing to expose myself in that direction? Oh, could it be 
The African in me hinders me from it. The American in you hinders you from it. Am I willing to be of the community, in the community? When I play mischievous, I may not be struck down like it happened to Ananiah and Sapphira, but before the Lord, I am down. He knows I am out. He knows it. Consider Moses and the way God checked on his obedience. I love the way God introduced himself to Moses step after step. How many shepherds might have been around the place where the bush was burning and it was not consumed? Was he alone? Did others see that burning bush and had no interest? But I see Moses is like, oh, I will go over and see this thing. He moved over to see this thing. As he draws nearer to the Lord, the Lord sees him coming. The Lord now does his part. Moses, hey, 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 hey. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. Remove your shoes. Is he willing to obey? He obeys. He removes his shoes. Then the next level comes. The Lord speaks to him, and finally, we know he was sent. He obeyed. But through that, there was the step by step. Okay, so you are willing to remove your shoes. That's all right. What's that in your hand? <laughs> Do this. Does he obey? He obeys. Oh, and probably was running away from the snake. Okay. You can run away from the snake. But let me now take you this direction. Can you take your hand? Okay. Dip it in. When it comes out, can you run away from that? But I now want to help you do this. Oh, it is well. The Lord taking him through the steps of obedience, bit by bit. And when he was matured, even after his complaints about talking, he went forth. We see a man who did marvelous things for the Lord. It might not be easy to lead a congregation like this. It might not be that easy to live in a congregation like this and to lead a congregation like this. But can you imagine one man that was having this million plus person, people, following him? Asking them to leave, and they left. Not WhatsApp group. They left the land of agony. It was not easy, but humility was found in him. The birth of the Lord, I see it. It was marked with the start of worship. It was marked with witnessing about him. And that also reminds us of being witnesses to him. Those shepherds, when they had gone, there are things that they said they had heard from the angel. They relayed how it happened. And we are told in the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 18, the people that were around there marveled at their witness. 
are we willing to be witnesses? In this new beginning, are we willing to be witnesses? Are we going to live for Christ? Are we going to live telling of his love in obedience? Matthew chapter 2 gives another account of false worship driven by jealousy and hypocrisy. We are finding Herod in the story of the wise men. And in some places I was seeing images of these three people around the nativity scene. And I was like, I don't know, I'm not sure where they might be getting that from. I'm not certain of the number. All that I know is they brought three gifts. But I would be open to correction if there were three of them. I don't, in my studies, I didn't find that, that there were three wise men. I didn't find that. In my studies, I see that the number where in I've read is silent. But I was seeing the impressions here and there in your country of these three people who appear to have come with certain precious things. But when they came, the wise men, Herod emerges from the side of that I may go and worship him. When you found him, come back. A liar, a hypocrite. He knows very well what he wants to do. He knows his out to take the life of this king that threatens his kingdom. And so he tries to fool them. But look at the obedience of the wise men. They chose to follow the Lord's command to go another way. And that exposes the hypocrisy in Herod. What does he do next? Kill! All that are two years and below. Kill! His true heart goes into play. But he pretended that he wants to go and worship. How am I behaving in these times like Herod? How am I pretending? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Luke chapter 11 and verse 28 tells us, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Do I hear the word of God? Do I keep it? May we get the word of God. May we be willing, when we get that word of God, may we be so much willing to keep his word when we get it. May we be willing to move forth in this new year in obedience. Let us kneel down and pray. Heavenly Father.